0: Hello and welcome, this is Nolan Emmett. In front of me I've got a water bottle, my water bottle. I don't know if uh, you're onto this, where I've got my two liter water and I have it every single day. And um, after this introduction, I'd like you to listen to um, a series of speakers that talk about uh, creating something special in your life um, and what it takes in that. But you know, if I look at this water bottle and every day I put water in it, then I have water. If I put orange juice in it, then I have orange juice. Now think of um, that being your mind, all right? Every single day you are starting afresh, you're filling your, your your mind up um, with either the negativity, the, the fear, the things that worry you, um, why is this not working, or you're going to put... Um, fresh, clean, wonderful thoughts in. And in the beginning, it's it's difficult. In the beginning, it's it's not that easy. Um, but then you get into it. But then two weeks down the road, instead of uh, putting uh, fresh, clear water, uh, you know, c- fresh, clear um, things into your mind, you go and put dirty brack water in or, you know, something, prune juice or whatever it may be. Um, it's not something that you... You, you can do for a short while and then say well now it 's over let 's you know have a, a wonderful life ahead No fortunately, and I mean fortunately it 's a daily thing all right you 've got to have your routines you 've got to have your 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 uh, um, things that you do on a daily basis that makes your life special all right, so have a listen to the messages that uh, people are are pushing out to you in the following um, recording. It is life-changing if you want it to be life-changing.
1: I was told I was a fool for leaving IBM. Been told that I was a fool for moving to New York. I was a fool for moving to LA. I was a fool for managing Steve Harvey. I gave up a successful stand-up comedy career. I've been told I was a fool for stop managing Steve Harvey. So people will tell you you're a fool. I embrace that because that's what life is about. Challenging you to do something that people tell you you're not supposed to do. You have to realize that one day when you wake up, Tom, that it has to be about you. It really has. It's not about who you're married to. It's not about who you're dating. It's not about your kids. It's about you. And if you realize that, you will be successful. Because if all your success is about being positive, and you're not driven by selfish modes or selfish gains, then everybody will win. Yeah. Feel that most people are staying at jobs or working things, or even marriage or relationships, because they fear change. Can I do better? Can I get a better opportunity? Will somebody hire me? Will somebody date me? Will somebody marry me? Will somebody want my kids that I have? people where they don't want to make adjustments because they've already told themselves they can't do it. If you're about to make a change in your life and you feel uncomfortable, that's the best feeling you can have. Because for the first time in your life, you're making a decision that's going to be best for you and not what somebody told you to do. And that's when all bets are off, man, because you're about to enter some, some uncharted waters that's going to force you to challenge yourself to be perfect. It was a turning point for me in my life because it, 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 it let me truly understand how short life is. It also truly enabled me to understand the value of taking advantage of what life is giving you to do. And that's why I always push people, I always push people, I push myself. Because I know, I've seen it, I've seen death, I've seen people, children, I've seen adults, I've seen senior citizens, I've seen people who were happy one day and weren't there the next day. If you want to be successful, you have to write down why you want to be successful. Because a lot of people might say, I want to do it for money, I want to do it for passion, I want to do it for cause. That why will determine the steps that you have to put in place to be successful. And shooting for perfection is all good. You don't shoot for average. Because you're not gonna hit you're not gonna hit all the time. If you shoot for perfection and you hit good or great, you're winning. Don't ever shoot for average. I just I just try to get people to understand. Don't be average. When you want to do something in your life, you don't put options out there. You don't put a B plan. You know, you you you. this is what you want to do. You commit to it. You and anybody watching this show, drive around. Start setting your goals. Because see, if you start setting your goals, then you have dreams. If you have dreams, then guess what? It brings on expectations. Those expectations can only be reached by proper planning. If you plan, you will win. I don't care. Yeah, you're gonna have setbacks, but you gotta plan. That's why, everybody's supposed to do a certain thing, but they don't wanna do it. Let somebody else tell you what you cannot do. But in the process of that, prepare for success. In other words, are you willing to put time in your next move? And a lot of people, a lot of people say things like, I'm not a morning person. I don't really know what that means. I really don't. Uh, I have 24 hours in the day. I try to take advantage of every hour. And I have certain rules that I initially tell people on a regular basis. If you want to start be living a successful life, start locking into a consistent time that you should get up every day. Don't let it deviate. Don't. If you say get up at eight o'clock, don't 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 hit the snooze and get up at eight thirty. I get up at four thirty. That's just my time. I'm not a happy guy getting up, but that's a goal I set. And I'm gonna just tell you this honestly. If you keep it simple, you can find your voice. And I also know that you operate off short-term goals. When well, you don't know where you're going in life, do not look four years down the line. Do not look two years all year. You look next week, next month. You keep your goals short, and that way as you accomplish those goals, then you can start piling up little trophies or little moments to know that you're actually accomplishing something. you actually climbing the steps to success. When people make the mistake in their goals, they put too many, they put a, they put a uh, uh, like I say, not so insurmountable goal, but a goal that doesn't allow them to qualify success quick enough. And so I always tell people, shorten your goal, shorten your window, and that's how you find your voice. You cannot find your voice if you're trying to, if you say, I'm gonna come into Hollywood to be a star. Okay, well, you might wanna work at Home Depot first. And then grab that check, get stable, and start creating relationships, start taking acting class. See, those are goals that you can achieve. But if you come in there just to be a star, in entertainment, or are you, are you going to college? and you trying to graduate in four years? And you, what you going to do? It confuses people. That's why a lot of the today's millennials—they they see short-term success as a faster way of finding a voice versus a college degree. That's what I discovered: that uh, you got to have a team. And so, I built a team around him. And when I stopped managing him, I was trying to figure out who Rashawn was by myself, and that's terrible. Because you gotta have people around you that tell you you're great, gotta remind you you're special, gotta remind you who you are and what you've accomplished. Because it's a general take is that as you you build your life, you kind of narrow your accomplishment. In fact, you kind of throw away your successes. And so that's why it's important to have people in your life that, that are there to pump you up, to tell you, no, you've never done it that way like that before, you, you're committed to a certain plan of opportunity, Rashad. You, that, you, you shouldn't do it that way. You've got to have a team to remind you of what you can do and what you've done.
2: The idea is, you can have whatever you want, but you have to figure out what it is. It has to be realistic and you have to figure out what it is. What do you want from your family? What do you want from your friends? How are you gonna educate yourself? What do you want for your career? How are you gonna use your time outside of work? How are you gonna handle drugs and alcohol and other temptations like that? How are you gonna keep yourself mentally and physically healthy? These are open questions, like, you get to answer them. It's okay, so now develop a vision. What's your life gonna be like in three to five years? So you write it down. Then we do something else, which is, okay, um, your bad habits and your resentment and your bitterness and all of that, your procrastination gets completely out of hand, and you auger down, and you're in your own personal version of hell in three to five years. What does that look like? Well, everyone knows that. It's like, everyone can look into the future and think, well, if I keep going on this dark path, this is where I'll end up. Well, then you've got a little hell outlined for yourself to run away from, and you've got a little heaven outlined for yourself to run towards, and then you're motivated. Because sometimes, you know, you're just hopeful. I would like a good thing to happen. It's like, yeah, but, you know, I'd like to drink half a bottle of whiskey tonight, too. It's like... So which is it going to be? Well, just being hopeful about the future might not be enough. But then you think, oh, I see. Like, there's that little hell thing that I outlined that's waiting for me. And maybe I'm afraid of taking the next next step forward because it's demanding and challenging. It's like, yeah, I'm afraid of that. But I'm way more afraid of where I might end up if I don't get my act together. And people should be. That's why there are conceptions of hell in so many religions. It's like, hell's a real place. Whether it's eternal, that's a whole different question. Whether it's waiting for you in the afterlife, that's a whole different question. But if you've never met anyone in hell, you haven't lived very long. You haven't had your eyes open. Yeah, it's undeniable. That feeling of total, complete misery is undeniable. Yeah, especially when it's compounded by the fact that you know you did it to yourself. That's the real fun, that's the real fun part. It's like, I'm having a bitch of a time and I richly deserve it. This is an, another, I mean, this is a, a giant part of being a human being. And instead of identity politics and right versus left, I think these, these right versus left battles, oftentimes what they are is a simply the, the battleground for the conflicts in your own mind. There's evil in the world of all sorts. And some of it's the evil in other people. And some of it's the evil in your brother's heart. But the the part of it that you can really do something about, that's the malevolence in your own heart. You can actually do something about that. And that's actually way more useful than you think. So, because if you can face it in you, then you start to understand it. And that also makes you strong enough to identify it and to fight it when you see it in the external world. Plus, you don't do any harm. It's like, like, there's lots of people all over the world going out and doing reprehensible things. And you might say, well, you should go out and protest against them. Like, then sometimes you should. But most of the time you should think where am I falling short of the ideal my own ideal doesn't have to be one that someone puts on you Where am I less than I should be? Where am I bitter? Where am I making the world a worse place than it has to be? Like you ask yourself those questions. You'll be in for a big shock say well What would happen if you stop doing that like stop saying things that make you weak stop? Telling lies that you know to be lies stop doing things, you know to be useless and counterproductive aim high adopt some responsibility and then see what the hell happens. And one of the things that I've also been t- telling people, informing people about is the idea that life isn't a game. It's a series of games. And the right ethic is to be the winner of the series of games. And part of that means you well, you have to learn how to be a good loser because yes. you're not gonna win every single game. But well, you also have to embrace those losses as learning
3: experiences. And the people that have never lost are afraid of losing. Mm. They're afraid of learning. You're afraid
2: of that feeling, that terrible feeling that you get from losing, is so beneficial. Let's say that you could pick your le- you can pick your level of competition in life to some degree. Okay, so let's say you pick a level of competition where you're always winning. It's like, well, all that means is you've picked the wrong level of competition. Yes. Because, you know, like, let's say you're a grandmaster chess player and you're, all you do is play amateurs. And every night you go home and congratulate yourself on what a genius you are, because you just stomp these people left, right and center. It's like, you're not a genius. You're dimwit. Right. What you should be doing is playing people who are beating you like, well, as much as you can tolerate. Right. So maybe that's 40% of the time. Maybe it's 60% of the time. But that way, because to be a winner, you want to be disciplined, you want to know what you're doing, and then you want to be on the edge where your skills are being developed. And if you're going to be on the edge where your skills are going to be developed, you're, you're at a place where, where loss, where losing is always a possibility. Because otherwise you're not pushing yourself beyond your current capacity.
4: Look, in life, it's going to be very easy for you to blame everybody. Very easy for you to to blame everybody. You can blame everybody else. But there's one person that's going to know that you didn't take responsibility, and that's you. That's a tough one to live with.
5: I didn't get a new daddy. I didn't get a new mama. What changed? I changed. And I stopped being a victim. I stopped saying I've got to wait for good things to happen to me. And I said I'm going to grind. I'm going to fight. I'm going to work. I'm going to press toward. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything in my power every single day. I'm going to do everything in my power to become a victor and not a victim.
6: It's take no less than 100% responsibility for your life. You know, one of the greatest myths that's pervasive in our culture today is that you're entitled to a great life and that somehow, somewhere, someone is responsible for filling our lives with continual happiness and exciting career options, a nurturing family and blissful personal relationships simply because we exist. But the real truth is that there's only one person responsible for the quality of your life and that person is you.
7: In life, we're all born with either an advantage or disadvantage. We either started with too much or we started with too little, and then basically, you know, your internal fortitude decides if that was good or bad. I've sat with people that, have $10 million in their trust fund crying, saying that they hate their lives because their parents took care of everything and they'll never achieve anything on their own and no matter what they achieve, everybody's gonna say it wasn't them and they think it's the worst and they're suicidal. This is real. To be very honest with you, I'll give you the answer. You have no choice. What's the alternative? When you have a setback, what are you gonna sit there and say, it was your granddad and your dad? I mean, you know that's not true. It's why you have so many wins.
6: You see, you only have three things that you can control in your life. The thoughts you think, the images you visualize, and the actions you take. And how you use those three things determines everything you experience. So if you don't like what you're experiencing and what you're producing as results in your life, you have to change your mental, your visual, and your behavioral responses to the events that occur in your life.
7: It does not matter where you come from. I have seen people come out of the desert, walk across the desert, being born in the most dire of circumstances. Doesn't matter what your mama did, whether she did or had a PhD or no D, what matters is now. This moment and your willingness to see this moment for what it is, accept it, forgive the past, take responsibility and move forward.
3: See, that's the difference in how your life works out. It's not what happens, it's what you do. So here's one of the key questions of the evening. Starting tomorrow, what are you going
8: to do that'll make a change in your life's direction? Now, see, if you don't do something starting tomorrow that'll make a difference, guess what? It's gonna be the same. And see, that way you can guess what the next five years are gonna be like.
2: Look at the last five
8: because the next five are going to be like the last five unless
3: you major key tomorrow change it all
6: successful people take full responsibility for the thoughts they think the images they visualize and the actions they take they don't waste their time and energy on blaming and complaining they evaluate their experiences and decide if they need to change them or not they face the uncomfortable and they take risks in order to create the life that they want to live and
9: the brilliant insight that changes everything for people is realizing that responsibility is never given it's taken and that if you choose to take responsibility all these doors open up and that you get a totally different life in exchange
4: next time you have a loss next time you have a breakup next time something happens that hurts truly hurts instead of blaming the world take a piece of paper and take responsibility and say what did i learn from this What can I do better? What bad habits do I have that keep showing up? What bad trends do I have that keep showing up? And I'm gonna make a decision to stop it now and not blaming everybody. And if you decide to do that, don't be surprised where your life changes drastically in a positive way.
10: Because your mind is designed to do three things. Your mind by design does just three things. It basically regulates your body to keep you alive. It also, uh, when you're sleeping, half of your mind shuts down and the other half catalogs everything that happened to you today so you can have memories. And the third thing that your mind does is it protects your ass. And the main way that it does that is it, it does that by magnifying risk, magnifies any situation or any conversation. So, you know, what happened for me is I realized as my life was circling the drain and we're facing bankruptcy and Chris is on the couch, this was not the situation that I wanted. I didn't want my life to, to end in divorce. I didn't want to be in financial ruin. I didn't want to be depressed. I didn't want to be anxious. And here's the, the, the truly screwed up thing. I knew what to do to fix it. See, this is, this is the trap that most of us are in. Most of us know what we could do to change things for the better. And we spend our time and our energy talking ourselves out of doing those things. And the other thing that I convince people of, because this is so true, it's the littlest stuff. The little things make all the difference. And I could could spend hours with you explaining the science of confidence, and explaining the science of risk, and explaining the science behind courage, and explaining habit loops, and how they get encoded in your brain. You don't need to know any of that, because you're not applying for a PhD in psychology. I have done the work and what I know is that true change comes down to five second windows that moment that you know you need to do something that feels slightly uncomfortable and your resignation your excuses your self-doubt start cranking up in your head you got to move and so all you need to know to change anything is a you're never gonna feel like it you're never gonna feel ready to start that business you're never gonna feel ready to have that hard conversation you're never gonna feel like getting out of bed you're never gonna feel like it's a good idea to apply for that promotion. We're designed to stay comfortable and safe. So if you know that you're a never going to feel like it and B that no one's coming, it's up to you. You're not a kid anymore. I'm dead serious about this. Like most a lot. So many of you are waiting to be picked by who are you making the most of your life? And the answer is yes if you pay attention to what you do in five-second windows are you the kind of person that when your instincts come alive and they want to nudge you to go talk to that cute gal across the way or raise your hand in a meeting and share that idea are you the kind of person that pushes yourself to step into that or do you pull back that's the power of a five-second decision because you can't you can't choose how you feel you can't yeah maybe you can go And become a buddhist monk and meditate for four months and get full control of your physiology and yeah 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 technically you can control how you feel but you and i can't we got a job you got kids you gotta raise you can't that's not possible so you can do something else you can actually disregard your feelings you can become the kind of person that is so in tune with the values that you have and what you actually want that when feelings rise up You can choose to act however you want despite them even if you're tired You can still go to the gym even if you're annoyed with your spouse You can still speak in a manner that's loving Even if you don't feel like doing that hard work You can still push yourself to do it your feelings aren't a choice your behavior and your thoughts Are always a choice You cannot change your life unless you go inside first you figure out who you are what your own wisdom is telling you to do, and you start to actually believe it and follow it. Because if you don't develop simply the ability to get up when you said you would, to eat what you said you would, to uh, exercise because you said you would, to talk in a way to your kids that's patient because you said you would, you will never have the self-confidence to succeed in any environment. You won't. You have the answers up here, do you have the courage and the tool to push yourself to do those things that are terrifying that it's easier to tell yourself oh that's not going to work so i I might as well not even try it you have no idea i think it's both emotional intelligence and it is the skill that nobody practices which is self-monitoring so the greatest capacity i believe in the next 10 years for people particularly as technology accelerates is do you have the ability to focus on what matters And do you have control over your thoughts and actions?
8: We are busier than any other generation we have seen in the last three to 400 years. We are just as busy as we can be. And we think because we're busy, we're effective. But I want you to challenge your schedule for a minute and ask yourself, are you you really being effective or is your life cluttered with all kinds of stuff that demands you and drains you and taxes you and stops you from being your highest and best self? And are you substituting busyness and all the chaos that goes along with busyness from being effective?
9: I think people's relationship with time. We talk about relationships with humans. How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your wife? You know, your dad or your parents? But we never talk about a relationship with money and time. And the relation, your relationship with time is such a key component of your life because when you get caught in a routine, time goes so quickly. When you understand that there are maybe only 28 summers left And if you want to truly, you know, get as much out of, experientially out of life, it just creates a tremendous amount of urgency. So, uh, and the fear goes away. Because you're like, shit man, nobody on the planet, like everybody, no one's gonna be here in 100 years. Do I care what he thinks, like he's not, we're not gonna be here in 100 years, so why wouldn't I take the chance? Because I'm very aware of my own mortality. You know, I'm 50 years old, I'm turning 50, and the average American lives to be 78 and if that were the case and I was average that means I got 28 years left mm. and that dictates well who do I want to spend that time with and what do I want to do and that's a driving you know it, it's like on repeat in my head so to answer your question you know that's that's sort of what makes me tick.
11: I think when we start counting our age we, we count up right we start zero when you're born and you count up and it has this sort of um, sort of built-in assumption that it's never going to end. It just goes on and on and on. You just keep counting up, right? right. But there are statistical realities that you're going to die. And you're going to die at some statistical average age. And so, you know, if I stay in good shape and I eat well, I'll probably live to around 85, and I can probably be a productive member of society in some way, shape, or form until I'm about 75 or 80. And so I don't report my age as, as 35. I report my age as 45. You know, I have 45 years left to do something good in this world. I have 45 years left to achieve what I need to get done in this world. And so uh, I I, I very much count down, even though it might sound depressing, it's just the reality. But the the inspiration is that it gives me a kick in the ass.
3: You know, how how do you want your life to look? He goes, look, when I die and I go to heaven, he goes, the last thing I want to happen is for God to go, these are the expectations that I had you at. This is where I wanted you to become but you were far from ever reaching your fullest potential. So he says, I have the obligation to strive more, take more risks, put in more effort, to become the man, the leader, the entrepreneur, the visionary, the parent, the father, the spouse, that I'm gonna be
0: when I die. Life is not just the passing of time. Life is a collection of experiences, their frequency and their intensity.
9: There's not a day that goes by when my head hits the pillow where I don't say to myself like you know did I maximize the day and am I and, and you know am I aware of my mortality and it might sound depressing but it's it's not for me it's um it's thrilling
8: That every moment is a gift, every second is a gift, every thought is a gift, every idea is a gift, every opportunity is a gift, everybody you meet is a gift, you are gifted with opportunities, and I want to show you how to begin to maximize what you've got. Because destiny happens in steps. It happens in steps. People often ask me, they say, what was the one thing that that catapulted your ministry into prominence? Because we always look for magic moments, but it wasn't any one magic moment, it was a series of moments. And if you look at your own life, you didn't get where you are by one single incident in your life. A series of things either moved you positively or negatively into where you are today. You you, you aren't born a drug dealer. You're not born a stripper. You're not born hateful. You're not born vicious. You're not born jealous. A series of steps brought you into where you are and it's going to take a series of steps to bring you out into where you need to be. If you've accomplished, that's the negative, I emphasize the negative, but on the positive side of it, if you have some positive accomplishments in your life, whatever you value, I'm not here to give you your values. I'm here to share with you whatever you value that you accomplished. You didn't get there in one step. Okay, it's going to be a process. And often people who are not processural in their thinking are very frustrated. They're very, very frustrated. A lot of people cannot deal with life because they lack the patience to go through the process to become who they want to be. They want somebody to give it to them right now. They want to take a magic pill. Anybody who gets there too quickly lacks the information and the tenacity that it takes to stay there because if you didn't earn it, you can't own it because nothing happens by magic it happens by process and if you don't go through the process to get it then you don't have the power to keep it the barriers that are restricting you are within you somebody else was dealt the same hand you were dealt and did much more with it and you owe it to yourself to stop lying to yourself so you can find out what it is specifically that is stopping you from having the abundant life Is it the way you speak, the way you understand, or the way you think that is stopping you from becoming what God would have you be?
12: Like I'm intrigued in life how when a person say they want something, or a person say, man, I'm going to have this incredible, phenomenal life, and the only thing it takes is for the circumstance to change. And when the circumstance changed, they forget everything that they once spoke or everything they once spoke now means nothing to them, right? The words that they spoke about a certain situation. I'm intrigued by that, right? How a circumstance can take that away. Like I, I understand this about life. In life, people don't burn out because of what they do. People burn out because life makes them forget why they do it. But when the purpose is intact, when the mission is intact, when it's about something greater than themselves, the opposition to adversity and the challenges are part of the journey. When things happen in redirection, it's a part of the journey, it makes it even sweeter in the end when the purpose is greater and about something greater than you. That's why it's so easy to spot selfish people. That's why it's so easy to spot people that's just out for their personal gain. It's easy because all it takes is for something not to go the way that they thought it was gonna go and now they no longer want it. But when you find a warrior for Christ when something doesn't go the way that they want it to go, they say let's regroup, Let's re." reroute, and let's get going. Let's finish what we started. The mission is different. I want to be in
8: the place that I am equipped with the right things to function at my highest and best capacity. And I want to be delivered from everything that's restricting me from my highest and best use. If I have to change states, if I have to change houses, if I have to change friends, if I have to change me, whatever's got to change for me to get to an expected end. I'm open to it. I'm too big to be bound by this system. I am bigger than the system. The system can't put me away. I must put it away. You have to know that that you have to know this or you'll never succeed at anything. You have to know that there is greater in you than what you have manifested to this point. Understand your mission, not position, mission. Some people are so focused on the position that they lose sight of the mission they think god is a talent agency they think god is a booking agent they are trying to pray to god to get them in a better position if you are asking god to change your position he will never understand what you're talking about because whoever you are up here you were down there god knows position means nothing if you don't understand mission now if you understand the mission God will change your position to accomplish your mission. Anytime God brings you from something you didn't have into a place that you do have, always be aware of your mission. Don't get drunk off of your position, because if you get drunk off of your position, pride coming before a fall, you'll lose it all because you got caught up in the position and lost sight of the mission. It's the mission. That brings you to the position and never and lose sight of the fact that whatever God promotes you it's always because he's got you on a mission I was challenged of the Holy Spirit to remind you that God has given you every talent every gift every resource every door open, every favor, every dollar you've ever made, every favor you've ever had with anybody, not because he was interested in you being important. It's because he has given it to you because he wants to trust you with the mission, not the position. Now you're trying to get the position, but God is concerned about the mission. The mission, the mission, the mission. He needs somebody who can represent people who would never get there and he'll move you up if you never lose sight of the mission and I want to ask you do you see yourself on a mission do you really because very few people pray about mission they want prayer for position they want prayer for power they want prayer for prosperity give me power give me position give me prosperity you seldom get a prayer request for a mission Until you can answer the why of it You'll never get the what of it God is not going to feed your insecurity by giving you Validation that has no mission does what you're praying for have a why? Or is it just a what? Why do you want it? More people for what more money for what more fame for what for what do you know why? Or do you just want a bunch of people bowing to make you feel good about yourself? The fact that he wants position without mission says that he is driven by ego. And I just want to know, is ego making your decisions? Is your ego, your need for validation, your need making those kinds of decisions? Because you must understand until you are mission driven, Until you are mission driven, resources will be locked up. Let me try it over here. Until you are mission driven, resources will be denied. Why do you want it? Why do you want it? Want it for what? Turn up for what? Why? Is there a sense of mission pulling you along? Is it more mission
10: or more money? What I'm sharing right now is the answer to your problems. It's not that you don't know what to do. You've heard enough to know what to do. You just don't seem to have the strength to do it.
13: To me, courage is not saying that you don't have fear. It's not saying that you don't have anxiety. I had to face my fear. I had to feel it, and I had to do it anyway. And that's what courage is all about. You ask yourself, can I really do this? Can I really go back to school? Can I really heal after a broken marriage? Can I really go on? We all ask those questions sometimes, especially if we've been through a storm, a financial storm, an emotional storm, a relational storm, or even a health storm. When those winds are blowing, it seems as if we're going to capsize in a sea of fear. But hang on for one minute. Life is made up of storms. And I've learned from sailing that it all depends on how you adjust your sails.
8: Many of you know that, that God will make things uncomfortable to stir you up. To get you out of your comfort zone, to get you out of your lazy boy chair, to put you in a place of purpose and destiny where you can stretch your gifts that you didn't even know you had and begin to spread your wings and find out that you are an eagle. Many times when God starts training you, he trains you with trouble. Exposing you to various degrees of frustrating situations and then critiquing your response. See, some people don't have that back in. Critiquing your response so that you can learn what, how you should have handled this particular
5: situation. That, that everything that we have, it, it, see, we don't have to protect what God has given us. Uh-huh. My daddy gave this to me. Like, he gonna watch over whatever. Like, that's the thing we have to, we have to learn that there's nothing the enemy can do. To hurt us, he comes, he's a plot, he's a ployer. These yeah. are these are all smoke and mirrors, and if we can really just learn to endure mm. through it all, whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is in our lives. I don't, I don't care. You are not your mistake. And as long as your chest is still moving and That's your good. body is hot, Hallelujah. you could keep growing, you can yeah. keep moving. I, I'm telling you, I'm learning so much. Uh, I'm learning so much. It's painful, but it's necessary.
8: Have you ever lost a job that worked for your good? Have you ever lost a boyfriend that worked for your good? Have you ever went through a trial in your life that worked for your good? Have you ever been raised in a barren situation but it prepared you for where you are today? And you can work by yourself because you've been by yourself all your life and you are not persecuted by isolation? Is there anybody that's grateful for things that you once cried about? So. I
13: want to encourage you right now, don't give in, go for it, don't give up, don't throw in the towel and even if your back is up against the wall, even if you are on the ropes and you are receiving a -a rope-a-dope financially, listen, you got to fight back. So you've got to be careful. Your dreams, your visions, your desires, especially those that have been God-given i want you to pursue them i want you to believe that all things are possible it is possible for you to go back to school it is possible for you to heal your relationship it is possible for you to go at life alone let me tell you
8: something nothing is impossible to You go on back to that nest if you want to. But you were built to fly.
14: My entire life, I have been taught, and that is never never consciously. It's never like people choose to teach me this or try and make me feel this way. But the way that our society works, we teach sick people that, when they are sick, somehow, some way, they cannot be as happy as normal, healthy people, right? We teach them that their happiness, their contentment in life, their joy in life is tied to how healthy we are. And it's because as a society, we put all of our, you know, all, we throw all of our happiness, we throw all of our success and our joy into the circumstances of our life. Right? It's all about, do you have the right job? Are you in love? Are you with someone who's gonna love you back? Are you, know, are you living your passion? Are you, you know, are you rich? Are you healthy? Right? If you're not all that stuff, there's something wrong. You have reason to be miserable. You have reason to pity yourself. right? So as a society, we put so much stock into the circumstances of our life that it's hard for us to realize that someone can be sick and happy. I started to realize that people who are sick, and, and nurses and doctors as well, everyone in the medical community, everyone in the healthcare community, get so stuck in this notion that a hospital room is this cold, sterile, white place where we go to be sick, and that that's all that it can be. And we get so stuck in that that we cannot see the possibility. We can't see what we can make out of it. We don't see what we can do with it. I started realizing that our lives, in a way, are like this, right? Our lives are like empty hospital rooms. We get so stuck in the idea that, oh, it's supposed to be good or bad. Right? Oh, if we're sick, well, you know, then it, then it's, it's cold and it's sterile, and we just have to live with it like that. And we don't let ourselves realize, we don't let ourselves see we can make that hospital room beautiful. We can make our lives into a piece of art. We all have that ability, we all have that capability as human beings to turn these empty hospital rooms, to turn these lives into something really beautiful. So how do we change this? How do we stop the conversation from being, you know, um, we need people to be healthy before they can start living? And how do we turn the conversation into, you know, living with illness, living while being sick, being happy while being sick? And here's the truth of the matter, right? We look at people who are sick and we pity them because we believe that their sickness means their life has to be inherently less joyous than everyone else's. What we don't see is that when people suffer, people feel pain, it's just connecting them to life, right? It's connecting them to everyone else. Because the truth is, no matter what kind of life you're living, no matter what kind of circumstance you're in, you are going to feel miserable sometimes. You're going to have nights where you feel like the entire world is closing in on you and it's never going to be okay again. And you're always going to be alone, right? Right? And you're going to have days where you feel so happy to be alive. Where you feel joyous and you feel inspired. And you are always going to feel that. No matter if all of your dreams come true. And you're living in that New York loft department. And you know, doing whatever you've ever wanted to do. And are in love and married and whatnot, You're still going to feel the complexity of life because life does not discriminate between circumstance. You're not, life is not gonna stop unfolding itself to you just because you're sick or just because your life isn't how you think it's supposed to be. There's still going to be beauty. And I can honestly say a majority of the happiest moments in my life have been when I'm sick in the hospital, honestly. And think about the implications of that, because I have lived the kind of life that all of you spend your entire lives running from. I've been sick and dying my entire life, and yet I am so proud of my life. What does that say? No, really, what does that say about the way we're all living our lives? We're waiting to be healthy. We're waiting to be wealthy. We're waiting to find our passion. We're waiting to find our true love before we actually start living instead of looking at everything that we have, looking at all the pain, looking at all the sadness, looking at all the beauty and making something with that. That's how innovation happens. Innovation doesn't happen because there's some person who's in a great circumstance and everything's going well and like you know, and, and they just get on a roll and they make something for the world. Innovation happens art happens because of suffering and when we clamp down to that suffering when we teach people who are sick when you teach a little seven-year-old me that because I'm sick I don't have anything to give to the world I don't have anything to create when you pity people who are sick you take away their power so I want to encourage you all next time you meet someone who's suffering and who's in pain Instead of shutting down, instead of pitying them, why don't you think? I bet their life is so beautiful. Really look at them and think, I bet their life is so complex and beautiful. When you look at me instead of seeing the the, the poor little like happy sick kid up here, see someone who's lived an incredibly complex life. A complex incredibly beautiful life an incredibly painful life and it was made something of it and realize that you have that power as well really do we are all we all get to be a part of this giant human epic story right we get to be a part of human history we get to add to it we have something to give if we stop getting so caught up in the circumstances of our life, and how healthy we are, and how you know, seemingly happy and okay we are on the outside, and we realize it's what we're creating that matters, it's what we're adding to this beautiful story that matters. When we start looking at that, we change the world.
10: What you need to do is ask yourself this. If you took money off the table, if you didn't give a shit what anybody else thought, what's the thing you would love to be doing with your life? What do you really want? Now, I'm not talking about something small. I'm not talking about a little haiku. I'm not talking about renovating your kitchen. I'm not talking about signing on 10 new customers this month. I'm talking about what you really want. Be honest with yourself. What is it that you would want to do with your life if you didn't have to pay the bills doing it?
4: But one thing is you have to have a very clear vision, a very clear goal of where you want to go, because only then you will get there. Uh, You can have the best airplane or the best ship in the world, but if the captain doesn't know where to go, he will just drift around. If the pilot doesn't know where to go, he will just drift around with his plane. So it's, I think the key thing is that we know where we're going and that you're very passionate about that. You, you see it always in front of you, the goal. And the other thing that's important is, is that you got to shoot for the top. you got to go and really have big goals and think big because then you're going to get big. Then you're going to go and achieve big things. That is the most important thing. You know? We don't achieve big things by accident. So shoot for the top, shoot for the sky, shoot for the, you know, uh, for the stars. If you know exactly
15: what it is you really want, what you desire, what you're really after, clarity is power. The more clear you are and specifically what you want, the faster your brain can get you there. But if you're generally saying things like what do I want? well, yeah I want more money fine here's a dollar get out of here. <laughs> Did you achieve the outcome? Yeah when you're that general, you may be you think you're not getting your goal you are the way you language your goal, the way you think about it, you're receiving it you know you know I you know I want to feel a bit better I want to lose some weight fine you lost a pound you're done
3: you're playing the game of poker if you take all your chips and you push them in the middle of the table what does that mean a player on the team at the time named Justin Tuck was there and I remember he smiled he was sitting in the back room he said well if you push all your chips in the middle of the table it means you're all in you're ready to win you're done going halfway I said okay but what would happen if everyone shows their cards but then you pull your chips back and you tell everyone you were just kidding? I remember he smiled even wider and said, well, if you're playing poker at my house, that's how you get punched in the face. (laughs) I said, Justin, you're right. So if we would never do it in a game of poker, why do we do it with our lives? Why do we say we're gonna be committed to something when things get tough, when the unexpected happens, we back away and say, it's not for me.
7: Most of you are not doing what you want to do with your life because you're worried about somebody else's opinion. There is way too many people in this room right now that are doing stuff they hate. Please stop doing that. Promise me you won't.
4: Don't listen to the naysayers because there's always people out there that will tell you that you will not be able to do that, forget it. It's a stupid dream that you have or a crazy vision. And those. Don't listen to the naysayers. The other thing is is that you got to work your butt off. Um, if you think that you're gonna go and accomplish something really special and be the best in anything in the world, and you think you can do it without working, you make a big mistake. Because no matter what I did, if it was in bodybuilding or in acting, or if it is in, in, in the political arena, uh, it always took a lot, a lot of work. And you got to put out, and you got to you know, something to make a lot of sacrifices and If you're not willing to work hard, forget about it. So there's another rule that is very important.
2: You can say, well, I'm not willing to put in the effort because what if I fail? Well, first of all, if you don't put in the effort, you will fail because life is hard and it, it takes everything out of you to do it properly. Because the question is, if you want something, what does it mean to want it? And what it means is to sacrifice whatever is necessary to get it because otherwise you don't want it. And so there's an equation here, and I'm not claiming its ultimate accuracy, but the equation is something like, you don't want it unless you're willing to sacrifice for it.
11: We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit.
16: I do think that with, and it's not just in sport, but with with other things, I do believe that the more you repeat certain things, whether it is writing, working on your you know, whether it's cursive letters or whatever it is, like when you work on something and you keep doing it over and over, it it's inevitable that it will get better. And by that you're creating this feeling of repetition which leads to discipline. Like you know you can do it over and over again and that's one of the my first, one of my first coaches, Robert Lansdorp, who I speak about in the book, like that was his philosophy is you, I would take a lesson from him and his philosophy was just hitting and grinding and it wasn't about patterns or anything which, you know, I could get from somebody else, but what he gave me is that feeling that I could hit the ball from any part of the court and feel like I could do it with closed eyes and make it and know exactly where it's going.
5: The thing about self-discipline is that it is necessary for everything you do in your life. You have to be self-disciplined. If discipline comes from somewhere else, uh, it's very, very hard to remain consistent because you tend to resist. I just think the more man disciplined himself, the greater, it don't mean it's gonna happen, but the greater the probability that he has this sense of freedom. So when people see me, you get up at three, you don't drink, you don't smoke. I'm not doing that because I think I'm better than nobody else or I think you're gonna go to hell because you had a drink. I just want, I want to control, I want freedom. And for me, disciplining myself means more freedom. And the less i you discipline yourself, people who, uh, I, I told my son the other day, I was like, yo son, I do not want you to have fun. I've just seen a history of people who just have fun, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, New Year. Yeah. They're the people who Thursday the, night. Oh, Friday night. Oh man, every night. Yeah. They're the people who end up in their twenties having a great deal of fun, but in their forties and fifties, they working for somebody. Um, um and I'm not saying nothing wrong with cleaning toilets, but they doing something they don't want to do yeah. for the rest of their life and they can't retire because yeah. they played so much.
3: Truly everything in our life is connected. Like you can't imagine that everything's in a separate box. Like your relationship is a separate box, your health, your finance, your mindset. I imagine all these separate boxes, but there's wires and I'm a very visual person, right? So I imagine these separate boxes of health and mindset and relationship and business. And these wires go from one to the other and they're connected. So if my health is chaotic, Mm -hmm. then my business, my money my relationships are gonna be chaotic. And most people think, well, I can isolate the damage to just my car. And I always give the car example because I can go out in the parking lot right now and start looking inside of people's cars. And if I see burger wrappers and, and empty Starbucks cups and you know whatever candy wrappers laying around, you can tell they've been there a few days. Mm-hmm. If your car's chaos, if your car is a mess, Odds are I can go find the office building and find the person who owns that car and their desk is a mess. Odds are their health is a mess, their relationship is a mess, and I can look into their bank account, their bank account is a mess. If you make the bed in the morning and if that's how you do everything, the rest of the day is going to be a success. If you don't make the bed and you hit the snooze button and you're rushed out the door, the rest of the day is going to be the same. So to me, how I do anything is how I do everything. And the proof is actually backed by science. It's not just a clever little quote, it's backed by science. So you might as well get shit done the right way the first time so that you can set the rest of the day, the week, the month, the year, the rest of your life up for success. So Tony, uh, one of the critics, actually that I once met, said, "Yeah, Tony's techniques—they were great for about a year and a half, and then they wore off." <laughs> what do you say to that? It's
15: real simple. If you don't work out, you don't get a—you don't get a muscle, right? right? So I always tell people this is there's a daily practice like priming. If you don't do that, if you get up and you just have no discipline whatsoever, you get no value of anything. You know, diets don't work when you don't do them. Exercise doesn't work when you don't do them. But most of the people have some experiences that they want to shift. And once you shift those things, your whole life changes. But life is constant growth. My life isn't here because I went to one seminar one time and now my life is fit for life. I I work out, I train my mind, I train my body, it becomes a lifestyle.
8: Find the wings that you can mount up on. Find the wings that lift you into your scary place. Find the wings that expect things out of you that you don't think you can do yourself. Find the wings that put you in positions that you have never been in before. You can never find your wings until you find the wings that raise you into another dimension. There's not a person in this room that hadn't been raised on somebody's wings. Somebody it was your mother. It was your mother working two jobs to give you an opportunity that she never got to have. For somebody, it was a co-worker. For somebody, it was somebody that was a friend. For somebody, it was a sibling. Somebody lowered their wings and brought you into something that you could have never gotten into yourself. They brought you into a height that you didn't deserve and you didn't earn and you didn't work for. They brought you into a dimension of thinking and acting and living and dressing that took you out of your comfort zone and you were clutching their back as they were taking you higher and higher and higher. And God said, no matter who it was I used, it was me. It was me. It was me that raised you. It was me that brought you into a new dimension. It was me that brought you into a new order. It was me that exposed you. It was me. You would have been just like the people you grew up with, but I exposed you. I lifted you out. Some of your friends are dead. Some of your neighbors are locked up in jail. Some of your friends have lost their mind. But when the devil thought he
17: had you, I lowered my wings. There's so much pride in me and the the way in which I'm walking on campus is not just like everyone else. Right? There's something that's pulling inside of me because I know how many people have sacrificed for me to be in that situation. And the beautiful thing about being in a situation where people have sacrificed for you is that you have the power of so many people. Right? I stand here as one person, but I come as 10,000. Maya Angelou said it, I I stand as one, right? But 10,000 support me. Right? So every time I have the opportunity to take this mic and talk, there's 150 to 200 people here. But the beautiful thing about it is each and every one of you has a story, each and every one of you has sacrificed, each and every one of you has had people who have sacrificed for you to be in the situation you are in today. And sometimes, sometimes as we go through the day-to-day of what we do and how we do it, we forget that why. We forget about the people who have sacrificed and we lose our fire. Who's your why? Who are the people in your life right now? Who are the people in your life who you can see their face and you say, you know what? Because of you, I will do more, be more and become more. Because of you, I will do more, be more and become more. I told you my mom's story, and every time I get the opportunity to tell my story, I start with my mom. She is me. Her heart is my heart. Everything that I do, I know the sacrifice. I know the sacrifice. And the most amazing part is I believe that each and every one of us can bring that passion to what we do if we remember who our why is
7: when I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. So when I walk into a room, and particularly before I have something really challenging to do, or I'm going to be in a circumstance where I feel I'm going to be, you know, up against um, some difficulties, I will literally sit and I will call on that 10,000. Because I know that my being where I am, first of all, being who I am and where I am, it didn't come just out of myself that I come from a heritage and so I own that mm-hmm. and I step into that room not just as myself but I bring all of that, that 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 energy that your real work is to figure out where your power base is and to work on the alignment of your personality your gifts that you have to give with the real reason why you're here.
0: Hello, this is Nolan Emmett. Isn't life amazing? Isn't life fantastic? Take control of your life uh, right now by taking control of your thoughts. I've just listened to an audio which I'm going to attach to the end of uh, this opening message. Ask yourself the following questions Do I want my life to be better? Am I prepared to do what it takes? There's 30 minutes of audio. It's not a video. I encourage you, put a headset on your phone. Listen to it. Put it in your car. Connect it to your car's audio. But just listen to the following audio. It's only 30 minutes. And the the words of encouragement and direction and leadership are amazing. They really are. I encourage you to listen to it. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.